Hey, Anthony, uh, thank you for coming in. You, you have this amazing career as a computer scientist and as a as a legal expert, a lawyer and a CIO and and uh, being the leader of uh, various communities um, in the tech sector and, and, and more. And they're quite an unusual confluence of capabilities, all very interdisciplinary. So you're, you're very rare, very unique in all of these uh, talents that you bring to any kind of global solution. So, you know, I want to thank you for coming in and sharing all of that experience and wisdom uh, to our audience. Well, thank you, Stephen, for inviting me. I've been a privilege to be with you today. And uh, I look forward to sharing uh, the session and, and the process with you. So as you mentioned, I, I do have uh, two very distinguished professional uh, membership in two very diverse areas. Uh, all in the ICT industry as an ICT practitioner for many years, including as a CIO, as well as uh, a lawyer practicing lawyer in, in the legal space with clients in the legal industry. So, yeah, it's a unique combination. I'd like to explore that with you in terms of the session today, because like you, it's it's not... It's not something that I started with. It's sort of fall into it by accident. I I started with a, a double degree at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, and I, I decided to do a double uh, major in computer science and law, which at that time was a very rare combination. And I recall having to great difficulties with getting the uh, the time slot for lectures in sync because they're, <laughs> they're going to have students doing those two disciplines ever. And and then I recall having to dash from one end of the campus from the computer science lab to go to my lectures in law, which is the other side of the campus. So leaving me five minutes to do the marathon race across the campus. So yeah, it was an interesting time. I'm not sure why I started doing both. But um, having done one year of birth, I thought, yeah, this is really what I'm interested in. It's, it's the passion like I like to cultivate. It's, it's challenging, it's innovative, it's very different. Uh, two very diverse areas. Uh, the law being very conservative, traditional. Uh, the application of the law established over and slowly evolving over many, many centuries in parallel with the establishment and involvement of the human civilization itself and our human structures. And when we compare that with computer science, always on the move at lightning speed, Stephen, very innovative, very disruptive, always continuing and disrupting our established human structures and our way of doing things, challenging the status quo, uh, with the latest upgrade, the latest application devices, uh, changing the very foundations on the way we live, work and play, and some might say the basis of our human civilization itself. Because now we are questioning and people are asking, can AI be sentient? So I come from an education background, which is very diverse, which is, I would say, extreme. Uh, to have that combination and that challenging combination. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good foundation for where we are today, because if you look at what we're doing, whether it's in the ICT space or in our human space, we are now coming to grips with how would the law catch up to do all these things that we're now seeing with Internet of Things, AI, machine learning, data governance, data management, cybersecurity, uh, augmented and mixed reality, you name it. Those, those emerging tech is changing the very basis of how we work and live. So I'm very pleased and, and very passionate to be in this space. Uh, it's challenging at times because I'm trained to be a lawyer uh, and technology, which I'm also trained in, is disrupting the very foundation of what I've been taught at law school 
and, and how our legal foundation, legal structures are built and established over many, many centuries. You know, I, I mean, I can see all of this embodied in, in all of the leadership roles and now this is very much embodied in an organization called IFIP founded in 1960 by UNESCO, but really it's an independent organization uh, consisting of a federation of national and international computing organizations. Um, ACM, for example, Association of Computing Machinery, which is number one in computing science as an international member. Uh, the Australian Computer Society, you're the preeminent uh, national society in Australia is, is a member. Uh, KIPS out of Canada, which is the Canadian Information Processing Society, is a member. And the list goes on and on. And now you have the uh, very uh, prestigious position of being the incoming president of this very old organization, but can, can be very influential as well. So uh, congratulations, but then the next question is, <laughs> what do you plan to do as president? Thank you, Stephen. Um, so thank you, and it's been a privilege to be elected as uh, the, the new president of IFIP, the International Federation for Information Processing. As you know, Stephen, you've been also been involved with IFIB and IP3 for many years. Yes, yeah, we just celebrated the 60th anniversary of IFIB, uh, established under the auspices of UNESCO uh, after a World Computer Congress conference in Paris. As you know, UNESCO is based in Paris. So IFIB is, is much structured like the UN bodies uh, with member states and member societies. So the interview and the establishment of, of IFIB itself is, is parallel in the way that UN agencies were, were established and work today. Uh, so we have uh, many countries from five continents who are members. If you mentioned uh, ACM in the US and many parts of the world is a member of IFIB, including uh, countries like Brazil, the Brazilian Computer Society, the the Computer Society of Sri Lanka that we both spoke last week at their 40th conference, uh, Japan, South Korea, Australia, obviously, uh, where I'm based and past president of the Australian Computer Society, uh, New Zealand, uh, South Africa, Nigeria, and many countries in Europe, including the British Computer Society, BCS in the UK, uh, Netherlands, Germany, Austria, Italy, the list goes on and on. So we have a collection of, of many countries around the world built like the UN bodies. Uh, they are all structured in similar lines, uh, working on many issues for the ICT profession. Uh, the academics and the research fraternity. So we have 13 uh, technical committees in IFIB over more than 100 working groups. Uh, the total membership of our member societies spread across five continents, amounts uh, to more than half a million members. Uh, so yeah, we have this collection. I'm very privileged to be leading this organization at this time. And as the United nation secretary general said recently in his 2020 report the world is at an inflection point technology evolves so rapidly so but we must also look at not just the opportunities and the benefits but looking at the risk and providing risk mitigation for some of those challenges that we are already seeing in this space whether is AI bias discrimination, uh, human uh, in the loop in decision making, uh, whether it's the use of data uh, for many applications and new innovation discoveries uh, versus the rights of human dignity, privacy, protection, uh, and also obviously uh, the data protection itself. So there are, are many challenges going forward, but with this, this group of experts around the world, 
that we have in IFIP from all our member societies and all our technical groups, we are, I think, in a very good position to assist the world and the UN with the 17 SDG goals uh, to help to mitigate the challenges as well as to help with one with most of the innovation that's coming on in the space. So I'm very privileged to be here at this time to lead the organization uh, and also like with you involved in other parts of, of the ICT industry and IFLIP and ACM and, and, and so forth. So, you know, uh, it, it's an older organization. It, it's a, a large federation of all these national and international societies uh, around computing and innovation and transformation, and also has a, a big academic community that's associated with it, together with industry. Uh, you come from industry, <laughs> and and you even though you do uh, also touch academia as well, but you really you you are a practitioner in that you execute uh, on goals and, and that's being your driving mission. And for example, a CIO, I mean, you're, you're accountable. You're, you, you know, you're, you're smart, specific, measurable goals within a particular timeframe. How is the flavor of Anthony as being the president of IFIP going to present itself, manifest itself and how will it differ from let's say uh, 20 years ago? I wouldn't say, you know, 10 years ago, but let's say 20 or 30 years ago, from its roots, how, how will your presidency be different? And, and what are some of the specific things you'd like to have done in your term? And your term is what, four years? And then often uh, presidents get a second term of, of another four years. So what, what do you hope to achieve in your first term? The, the term is, is uh, three years, uh, Stephen, with... Okay. Uh, another three years uh, option, yeah. So let me start with looking at, at the background and how I'm going to utilize that background to work with IFRIP, lead the organization and work with all our stakeholders, including uh, the United Nations agencies, including ITU and UNESCO and UNTAG around the world uh, to assist with some of the world challenges. Uh, firstly, as you correctly say, I'm from the industry. Uh, I remember when I first graduated in computer science, when I'm still uh, undertaking my final years in law uh, at Monash, I was working, my first job was as a computer operator, operating, uh, backing up systems for a lighting company close to the university. Uh, and that was the, really the, my beginning of the ICT career, starting as a law-based computer operator when I just finished ICT education, but still undertaking my law degree. Then I moved on to, to greater, greater things. Uh, I, I also did apprenticeship with a law firm. Uh, in, and I actually, when I was in my final year of law, wrote to the two first uh, ICT lawyers in Australia. Uh, they were doing some innovative work in the space. So I said, I'm about to graduate with a double degree. I'd like to come and work with you in this innovative space. Um, they sent me one day to go to the high court to get, in those days, we don't have the internet. So uh, that, that declares my age, uh, Stephen. But uh, I had to go physically to get a copy of the high court judgment from the high court itself from the printers and it was hot on the prints. Uh, I remember the High Court judgment about whether software is protected under copyright law in Australia. So the the the, uh, the case was momentous change in, in terms of ICT, uh, obviously protection under copyright is important for software and it's now the norm in most parts of the world. Um, and I recall moving from there to, to go back to the industry when I, I finished both degrees, I, I thought I really need to understand how the ICT industry is going to work in order for me to eventually practice in both areas of law and computers. So uh, I worked my way up as a programmer, uh, as a project manager, as a director, uh, working my way up to finally the final role I had in the ICT industry, a dedicated role as a CIO for the Australian Tourist Commission during the Sydney Olympics 2000. 
uh, where we create the most innovative ICT for uh, promotion of Australia worldwide uh, as a tourist destination in conjunction with the Sydney Olympics. So that was challenging time, but that was the, the highlight of my ICT career itself. So, but from those days on, I, I remember uh, Stephen, like you, when we attended uh, one of the ACML Turing Awards in, in San Francisco a few years ago, uh, where they had a conference before they gave uh, Tim Berners-Lee his uh, uh, Google Prize from the ACM Turing Awards, um, how that conference featured ICT people talking about how the law should be changed uh, to, to actually help the human uh, structures and building a new capacity, our new regulatory frameworks, uh, new structures to, en to enable the challenges as well as to facilitate the innovative emergence of technology in all space of life, work and play. Uh, that, that, that day, uh, Stephen, with you in that room too, I, I, it dawned on me that, that my world, the two worlds that I belong to has actually intersected. Uh, that now I can actually fully uh, practice as both as someone working in the ICT space as someone working in in the uh, in the legal space as well. But I do have also a teaching career, so uh, I know a lot of my colleagues in IFIB are, are academics and professors, but I also have a distinguished privilege to teach a master program in ICT law at one of the universities in Australia. And for many years, I was involved with one of the universities here, UTS, in the advisory group, looking at their curriculum and some of their ICT training curriculum challenges uh, moving forward. So over the space, yes, I, I'm a practitioner, but I also have a, a strong basis uh, in, in academia. And, and I'm very proud to say recently with IFIB, I have published two published paper in Springer. Uh, so like many of us, now we are moving into a multidisciplinary space. If you say, why am I? I'll say I'm, I'm many parts of many things because the way we're moving in terms of the challenges and innovation that we need to put in place for the world, we need many parts of many people uh, to help to create new opportunities, as well as to mitigate some of those risks moving forward. Uh, so in terms of that, I bring all those parts to IFIB, uh, having an established career in, in multinationals as well, like Thompson and Philips, uh, the Dutch ICT company, which many years had an ICT division, doing some of the most innovative uh, developments in ICT space uh, in the world and its application around the world. So I had the uh, the fortunate time to 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 work in some of those multinational country companies around the world, as well as the the smaller development houses. So in terms of that, I'm bringing the the breadth and length of the experience. Uh, so over the time, uh, working with many people, the teams. Uh, my staff, as well as with professional bodies like uh, IFIP and the Australian Computer Society, I uh, also learn about humans and human behaviors, uh, the attributes to lead humans to accomplish great deeds and great goals. And I, I think uh, with that experience, I, I look forward to to help to develop some of the programs with IFIP to help with where we're going with the world. So if you look at some of the mission, the mission statement of IFIP itself, Stephen, uh, which was established many, many years ago, and now we're going to pass 60 years old, uh, the very basis, the aim of a mission statement of IFIP, which is still so much relevant today, even though it's been many years in the making, it's about to achieve the worldwide professional, number one. Number two, socially responsible development of ICT. So if you look at those two main 
objectives of IFIM itself, you can see as a federation, because we are not an individual membership society, our members are members, our society members, like the BCS, the ACM, New Zealand, Canada, South Africa, and so forth. We are not an individual membership. We are a federation, like the UN, uh, one of the UN agency, in this particular one, UNESCO. So in terms of worldwide professional and responsible deployment of ICT, we have a big goal ahead for IFIT, working with many stakeholders around the world uh, and with our UN and the many UN agencies around the world to look at those two things, which are complementary to our mission. Uh, as I mentioned, we have 13 technical committees, 100 working groups. We have members across five continents of this world, from Brazil to South Africa and Canada and Europe. We have all this expertise working in many fields of human endeavor and ICT. My, my, my role as the president now is to harness all that expertise, all that knowledge, all that skills, all that background, all that multidisciplinary uh, abilities to help the world with moving forward uh, with some of the innovative practice of ICT, but as well as looking at some of the challenges that I mentioned, uh, particularly uh, AI, ethics and regulation. We have looked at many features of that around the world, from the European Union to Australia itself, looking at how to regulate this thing called AI and the use of data, how to protect data, how to manage data, how to give in data, which is being used to feed artificial intelligence and automated systems. Um, so yeah, the, the, the scope is there for us. The mission is still alive and relevant today, even more after 60 years, if not so more important today than yesterday. Uh, the ability for us as an organization and our breadth and scope are immense. And, and with that expertise, I have no doubt that, that we will play a, a great role in this space moving forward. So just uh, in the past week or two after taking on the role, uh, we are about to start off a new task force on digital education, looking at the global framework for sustainable digital education for five years old to 18 years old. So we, the trolls of setting up a task force with some of our leaders across our IFIB world from uh, Sri Lanka to Europe and South Africa and Nigeria to look at how to assist on this very important topic on the UN agenda. In addition, about to start off another task force looking at climate change and technology. Uh, our Brazil Computer Society has agreed to host that new task force, which is in formulating. Uh, and recently, uh, we just signed an MOU in a partnership with ITU, AI for Good, to help them with an IFIT AI for Good series starting April next year, uh, looking at some of those uh, innovation and challenges from artificial intelligence itself. And as your way, we also, with your assistance, uh, connected with ITU on the cybersecurity space. Uh, ITU is so much into the cyber security building uh, world, world capacity for cybersecurity specialists. And now with the uh, elevation and election of, of the new general, with the new Secretary General for ITU, Doreen, that you know, that you, you know and familiar with. Uh, and she's been very instrumental in establishing that cybersecurity framework for ITU. So there's a lot of scope for IFIT to play. I'm, I'm definitely tuned into those activities and working with our stakeholders and leadership uh, to make sure that IFIT is there and positioned to assist 
uh, the many agencies of the world and our stakeholders. So thank you, even for that question. I know it's uh, a lot to taking, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a big scope. It's a big role, uh, but with with the expertise that we have across many fields, including our IP3, which you've been actively involved with, I, I've no doubt that IFIT will be very successful working with members of society like ACM, BCS, ACS, and many, many others around the world to assist. You know, that's, uh, you know, very interesting. You know, you're working with uh, different UN agencies. Uh, you know, you're, we're a child of uh, UNESCO, so you, you have... Uh, programs and things associated with UNESCO too. And UNESCO came out with their ethical AI recommendations, which were approved by their member states in November of last year. And then uh, in December, they actually profiled the top 100 companies or more than that, companies, organizations, uh, really solutions involving AI. And then in February of this year, they spotlighted the outstanding 10 and, and these do follow uh, the recommendations and, and they're spotlighted because they address the ethical side. And that's a strength of yours as well. You being a proponent of the ethical aspects um, from a framework principles now to an operational side where you could actually use it. And that's wearing both your computer science hat, but also wearing your legal hat. Can you talk about some of that work and how it's evolved? over the last, let's say, three or four years, and where you see it evolving in the next two or three years? As someone with a background in my discipline, the law and ICT, I'm always conscious about when I work with people, am I working in the siloed ICT space or in the legal space? So that has been crossed my mind for many years, but, but now with those two areas converging and with more other issues like psychology, philosophy, all integrated in how we move forward. It, it's an interesting time for me as well, as, as for many people, even with my background. Uh, so recently, uh, UNESCO has asked us to look at helping them with the implementation of, of that uh, declaration that you mentioned about. Uh, I've already had two meetings with UNESCO on that, and I'm about to have a, a third meeting uh, uh, with Gabriela Ramos on Thursday, uh, virtually, uh, to look at how IFIT can assist UNESCO in the implementation effort. Uh, for many years, you and I work in IP3, part of the IFIT uh, professional practice, uh, we look at issues of ethics from technology, from many angles, many fields. Uh, but only in recent time, we, we've seen the world establish many uh, type of ethics framework to do with AI and, and many other emerging technology issues. Uh, now there are hundreds, hundreds of those frameworks in place from the OECD to, to, uh, to different countries frameworks and even uh, private NGOs frameworks. But now, as you know, the world is now looking at regulating that space. So the question now is, how do you operationalize some of those issues that we talked about in terms of ethical framework into regulatory framework? And that itself, it's an interesting prospect uh, because it hasn't really been done in the world uh, previously. But if you follow the developments in the European Union, which perhaps most advanced in this space, uh, the, the, the proposed EU AI legislation that's been debated in the EU Parliament and the Council, uh, and uh, also looking at their data sharing frameworks from uh, the Data Act to the uh, data uh, sharing Act for the private industry to the Digital Markets Act and uh, the digital other digital frameworks they've got. So in, indeed, it is an interesting time, I think, for many of us. Uh, and definitely with, with the skills that I have in, in the, the fields that we talked about, uh, I'm, I'm in a good position to, to lead IFIP to assist those efforts around the world. It is, I think, as the 
UN Secretary General said it's an inflection time, it's inflection time, uh, because those technologies are rolling out as we speak at lightning speeds, but our frameworks in the way we work, live and play, our, our human structures, our regulatory framework, our government structures, they are not evolving fast enough to catch up with some of those developments. So definitely there's a role for me to lead. There's a role for IFID to play uh, with all our numerous stakeholders around the world, including our member societies, who are also going through that space with their governments, uh, with those UN agencies. So I think it's a great time and a great position to be for IFID. Uh, working with all our stakeholders, our members like ACM, who's, who's very innovative in the space as well, uh, the British Computer Society in the space, the Australian Computer Society. Uh, so in the times that I have been involved with the Australian Computer Society, uh, we have moved into the policy area like many of our member societies, how to advocate government to look at those emerging areas, how to manage them, how to uh, work with them, how to mitigate the risks, how to provide framework that could perhaps start with a light approach to regulate and manage some of these rollouts to mitigate some of the risks uh, to, to the individuals, to uh, uh, the way we live and work and play. So I'm very passionate. I think the stars are aligned, Stephen, uh, with, with me and with IFLIP and many of our member societies. Uh, there are great roles to play, uh, not to play for itself, for the sake of itself, but to assist humanity in this great time and, and change. You know, the uh, the work that, that IFIP is doing and, and also the work that you've done as well uh, as a lawyer, but also as an ICT professional, as a, a computer expert, you uh, You've been involved in the code of ethics and sort of the ethical aspects, which then evolved into AI, and then of course the metaverse and uh, all of those, all of the prior work then builds into the rollout of, of the confluence of all of these metaverse uh, technologies, which some are estimating to be, you know, a, a, a post ten trillion dollar marketplace within ten years. And um, do you plan to? Uh, put out a paper or IFIP to address sort of this evolution of, of things moving towards the metaverse and the, you know, this confluence of all these technologies in the metaverse or are really focusing on more the fundamentals, which are AI or the components that make up the metaverse? Thank you for that question. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, with your good introduction to uh, the ITU at WISIS recently, I had this conversation with Fred uh, for AI for Good, and I did ask him, when are you going to move <laughs> to the area of metaverse? Yeah, I think, and I said, yeah, five years ago when AI for Good was created, metaverse was just in its infancy. Now it's a bit like what you did for AI and with you, Stephen, five years ago. Now we need to start fast the conversation on metaverse because metaverse encompass many areas of things that we've just discussed. It has facets, obviously, of augmented mixed reality and virtual reality, but it has AI in it as well. It's a whole basis of, of the metaverse. Uh, but we do have other things involved as well, obviously. Uh, IoT, uh, blockchain, and, and many, many things. Um, so the world is getting more complicated, not because we want it to be, but because this technology has many facets to it. So must we. So must we now be multiple facets because to cope and manage and develop those new things with many facets, we need to be multiple faceted ourselves to understand how they should be evolving and how they should be managed and developed ethically and how they should be deployed and used in many areas of the human endeavor. Uh, whether it's in private enterprise or in public or in individual space. Um, so metaverse is, is one great area. I had this conversation with ITU and I can see they're already moving into that space. 
but perhaps we need to accelerate that because AI for Good is a great platform for education, for, for getting people to across the world, not just in developed countries, but particularly in developing countries about what is happening in this space. And I see that uh, with the new neural platform network, that's a great platform for IFID to work in collaboration with ITU to assist that great effort around the world. So just a bit, uh, um, provide a bit of context for the audience. The ITU is the International Telecommunications Union. It's a UN agency that's 157 years old. So it actually predates the UN. And the reason is, is that 157 years ago, they needed standards for communications like Morse code and so on. So people had to come together and agree. And that's the reason behind originally um, ITU, this International Telecommunications Union, and then later they became a UN agency, but anything to do with technology, that's the ITU. And the ITU is unusual in that they actively engage with industry because industry has to be part of standards as, and they actively engage with government and research institutes. And um, so in that way, they're they're quite unique and, and a good UN agency in which I fit once, you know, is collaborating and has entered into a partnership with because they span every segment of society. So, uh, and then, <laughs> you know, you're part of the the leadership of making sure that that collaboration is tight and, you know, you you can execute. And you mentioned Fred earlier. Fred is their head of uh, strategy and partnerships uh, within the AI for Good program, but also within ITU. So, so that's where you're um, suggesting ideas, but he has the ability to execute on the ITU side. So I just wanted to give a bit of context because there's a lot you know, to unpack in uh, some of the uh, you know, the initiatives that you're leading and that you're uh, partaking in. There's there's a you're a futurist too. I mean that's part of your resume. You know you're experienced corporate executive, you're a CIO, information technology lawyer, you have 30 years of executive experience, but you're also a futurist. So where do, where do you see as the, uh, the tech that we should be looking at now, even though it's an outlier, it's really early? Can you name a few or, or uh, ones that, you know, that we can anticipate it being more mainstream, even though maybe they're an outlier right now? Thank you for that, Stephen. Uh, like you, until recently, I never thought myself as a futurist. But then I look back at my career and the things that I did, installing the, the most innovative applications for government and industry, um, and, and helping develop systems for the world, applications, uh, that you discover that you've been on that journey for many years, uh, working in many areas uh, of the endeavor. Uh, and you've been working with organizations to look at how they apply those technologies and how to best deploy them. So, yeah, it's it's a surprise to me that I, by an accident, uh, came with that word futurist. And I, I definitely talked a lot about the future, about the future application of things. I think at, at this time, uh, Stephen, uh, instead of new names to, to all things, I think we're now looking at a combination of the emerging technologies that we just discussed uh, in many fields. I think the, the great area now is the convergence, the convergence of these emerging technologies like AI, virtual reality, mixed reality, IoT, uh, blockchain, and the list goes on. But because they are converging, now we are looking at new ways of using them, uh, new ways of application, like the metaverse, uh, new ways of, of digital ways of doing things, whether it's digital currency, uh, whether it's crypto, uh, how to protect that. I mean, uh, and also new forms of art created by autonomous uh, AI systems, who owns those art? So definitely there are mixed opportunities and mixed blessings as well as challenges because those are very, uh, in terms of its use, it's gonna have disruptive influences in the way we think, uh, in how our law is structured, 
Uh, should we give rights to AI and autonomous things? Uh, how far could they go? Could they own their creations? Uh, what about NFTs created by those things? Um, who do they belong to? And how do we attribute value to those things, which uh, from until recently was sold for vast sums of money? Um, so those are some of those thinking and challenges moving forward. But there are also great applications of those new combination and convergence of technology in many fields of human endeavor, like medicine, uh, the way uh, we, we go about in space exploration, the way we conduct ourselves, uh, digital twins, in the way we build our new digital cities, uh, digital framework, how do we uh, digitize the physical world so that we can get better access to information, better sharing, better interfaces, uh, but obviously, come with that with its challenges of cybersecurity and data protection, uh, as well as data ownership. So those things all come together. You cannot have those things with or without the other. So I, I think rather than just concentrating on one new name for a new thing, I think now is the time where we're looking at the convergence of those things and how they are deployed, applied and developed across our space. You know, I I, I can uh, see what you're saying too, right? Because we're at this uh, particular, as you mentioned, convergence or confluence, which which affects you know the public, the commercial, um, the technology, the legal, the governance side, compliance, risk management, and even in your profile, you talk about your your background, cyber and digital transformation and and change management and involving things like education, tourism, insurance, financial services, media and publishing, business services, really the illicit endless. And then your background, again, uh, really leading in the areas from a legal, but also from an ICD leadership standpoint, uh, uh, things like the fourth industrial revolution, which came out in, uh, you know, 19, or I should say in 2016, right, where it's introduced, but even before that, the internet of things and big data management and AI, and you mentioned that virtual reality, augmented reality, cloud and blockchain, and, and so on. The thing is, that's really fascinating about you, Anthony, is you've been across all of it. You've been deeply involved with all of it. You've been deeply involved in terms of uh, the risk mitigation and, and about how do we govern these things and what is the impact it's going to have on society and on our culture and, and uh, what are the long-term implications of that. And you've been thinking about and more than that, you've been uh, working with legislators on this and you've been working with uh, uh, different bodies, not just the UN bodies, but national societies, international computing societies, government agencies and so on. So you you really have been merging all of these different aspects together. And I guess that leads to my final question, <laughs> because you you are you are the embodiment of everything that's occurred over the last multiple decades and because you've been involved in all of it. And you've been executing across all of it. What recommendations would you leave to the audience? Like, uh, you know, uh, how can they be involved, or what are the things that you think that they should turn their attention to? Uh, and because my audience is very diverse, I, I do have government people in my in my audience. I have UN people in my audience. I have scientists in my audience, and also investors and CEOs. So. Uh, maybe you have a, a general recommendation or maybe you want to parcel it into sort of uh, different sectors or pillars, but what are your final recommendations to the global audience out there? Perhaps if I take a step back, uh, Stephen, uh, you mentioned about me being a futurist and I'd like to perhaps draw on one of the experiences that I had uh, in my previous career. I, I remember a time when I worked for Thomson, which is now Thomson Reuters, where they asked me to help with the digitization of their physical uh, publishing empire uh, in the printing place, paper publishing, and they're moving to the digital. And they asked me to come in as a consultant to help them with that digital transformation. That's even before the word digital transformation comes into being. 
And that's even before the word digital economy comes to be. And that's even before startups, the name startups come into be. I created the first startup for Thompson, looking at how to create a new entity within Thompson to do just digital publishing from scratch, building the pool of developers, programmers, creating the infrastructure, putting the systems, the computers, working with the established uh, paper process publishing expertise, uh, getting them to see the vision, getting them to embrace the change. Obviously, it was a time of fear for the people who work in that printing press and the publishing industry for many years in the in the physical means have been have this Anthony coming in and say, let's do digital transformation. Uh, so that that was an interesting time because I've learned a lot from that time working with humans, how to help to, to first of all, work with them to create a climate of trust, uh, trust in terms of leading them to look at the prospects of the future rather than fear technology, embrace it, and how it could be a benefit to them in their work. How can there be a benefit obviously to the corporation concern, in this case, Thompson, in, in creating this new endeavor, new field of digital publishing. So that was a, a huge learning curve for me too, uh, in terms of looking at the facets of working with the individual, working with the human emotion, working with the human psyche, working with the workforce development, uh, giving that cultural change. Uh, that perhaps leads me to, uh, in terms of a position to work with our multiple stakeholders, the multiple facets. So in terms of my recommendation, where we move into, uh, we're going to need a lot of different expertise to work with many facets. Uh, having one discipline gives you a, a focus, a very good focus, but a very narrow focus. How do we, as separate individuals across the government space, across the more than the government, the public, the private, the commercial, the 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 individual uh, space? How do we have this facets in terms of a good education to give a good foundation to work with many things across the space? to embrace some of these new emerging technologies, as well as its use and deployment and development and its challenges moving forward. I, I see we're looking at the time and space when, when uh, if you look at the time of Galileo teaching in University of Padua in Italy, he taught everything under the sun. They were no such thing as chemistry, physics, astronomy, all packaged in separate discipline to train in multiple silos. I think now is the time we need to bring all these disciplines back together, not, not just in a corporation, but also in us as individuals, because we need some of those skills to transverse some of the challenges coming forward, as well as the opportunities. Uh, so we need a much broader looking glass, looking space than what we had before. Uh, one, one discipline is not going to be enough, sufficient enough, I think, for us to fully embrace all these opportunities, all this framework that's coming forward. Yes, we can set up teams of multiple focus. We can set up teams of multiple skills people. But at the end of the day, we need that communication uh, between the brains, the internet working, the, the dialogue, the conversation. Uh, perhaps looking at myself, uh, with that different backgrounds, because I, I sometimes look at myself in terms of having that conversation within one brain between two or three disciplines, how do I manage and handle those things from multiple facets point of view, so that I can get the most creative solutions to embrace some of those challenges. Uh, so yeah, it's a complicated time for us, uh, but I think it's it's also a great time for, for humanity. Uh, if we can embrace and and be more broadly focused in our outlook in life, in our education. I think definitely our education needs to be more broadly focused rather than silo narrowly focused because we need to get 
the new workforce into the future, which a much broader perspective than we have done so in the past. You know, your your presidency and your career actually will reflect all of the things that you mentioned, right? Because you've always been interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary, multidisciplinary. There's a lot, a lot of these different terms. And and really by its nature and its founding, uh, IFIP is that way as well. So uh, as you mentioned, maybe right time, right place. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of major challenges, but there's also great opportunities, which requires a multi-stakeholder approach, which has always been this sort of uh, drumbeat of the UN, multi-stakeholder, multi-stakeholder, but you're the epitome of multi-stakeholder as well. So, Anthony, thank you for coming in, and we really look forward to your presidency. And I got it wrong, three years. So three years and then three years. I was thinking four years. Um, and so I, I know you're going to have an impact. I know it's going to be an, an inflection point in the history of IFIP, and it'll put IFIP into such a great path uh, because you're the right person for the right time and for the right uh, period of which um, this transformational thinking is required and all of the disciplines that you bring uh, to bear in this really important role. So I guess there's multiple things. Thank you for coming in and sharing your insights, but also for public service, all of the public service that you've demonstrated throughout your life in this being one of the capstones uh, as president of this uh, amazing organization, I think. So thank you again. Thank you, Stephen, for the opportunity. And I look forward to work with you and all our stakeholders moving forward. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.